It's time to explore the unexplained, to delve into the mysteries of our world and the realms beyond, to seek out the answers to phenomena that defy conventional explanation. Welcome to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with Karen Frazier and Chucky G, where that journey begins. Good evening. This is Paranormal Nerd Radio in the Dark with your hosts, Karen Frazier and me, Chucky G. Our ho- our guest this evening is going to be T. Ricks, an American Finnish film director and film editor. We're going to be talking to her about a new film she's working on called Anguish, based on the Anguished Man painting, together with Sean Robinson, the owner of the painting. Hello, Karen. Hello, Cheryl. Hello, listeners. Hello. Hey. I was looking... I actually did a little prep for the show today. Ooh. Hold on to your, hold on to Yeah. Your- Karen's it's- taking over tonight. And, and so I looked it up because I had not heard of the Anguished Man painting. Like, so. oh yeah, it's like a big, it's like a, it's like the Dybbuk box or, you know, yeah. Robert the Doll. I mean, yeah, it's. Yeah. So, um, you know, me and Haunted Objects, I like you. Yeah, me like you too. I was like, oh my God, because I, I read about this like years and years ago. Um, and, uh, you know, there's like, you know, there's two, there's two teams, you know, the, I believe it's real haunted painting and the, I don't think it's haunted at all. It's just a made up story, you know? So, um, it's going to be interesting to talk to her to, uh, see her take on it and, you know, what they're working on with it and stuff like that. So, I mean, you can go to YouTube and you can find all sorts of different bits and clips of the stuff that they filmed and stuff, which is stuff that's kind of actually interesting, but you know, we'll, we'll find out tonight. So, so how's everybody this evening? Good. You know, the other thing I did, so I, there's something wrong with me because I've started prepping for shows a little bit. I, um, I know that we have, um, Nick and Katrina coming on. Mm -hmm. And so I can't remember the name of the show right now, but I watched it. Paranormal Lockdown? Yeah. Yeah, I love that show. I watched Uh, it this week in my spare time. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty cool show, and then I, I like the Ghost of Shepherd Town too, and you know all the stuff he's done. I, I, I like Ruff. I think he's pretty reputable, and he does a really great job, and he seems to be a really cool guy. I mean, not a person, but you know, he seems to be a really nice dude. So it'd be interesting to talk yeah, to him. Yeah, I've interviewed him maybe five times, and he's always been really gracious and really forthcoming. And I mean, not just for Paranormal Underground, I've done it for some other places that I write for as well, and he's always been. Johnny on the spot, willing to, you know, and I, I appreciate somebody who's who's willing to put themselves out there like that because you can't say that about all of them. Some members of his former show haven't spoken to us for a while. <laughs> now wait, and then she's it's so it's the girl that's on Paranormal Lockdown, correct? What's she's, her name? Katrina has been on the show yes. as well, right, Cheryl? She's on Paranormal states. She, she's on Paranormal states, right? Yes, she was. Yeah. She has been on the show, and awesome. um, we featured her in the magazine as well before. Sweet be fun yeah two, two shows that i both i i love i loved a lot of the shows so this would be cool to talk to them so, so to also yes. uh, if, if you've listened to the show for a long time you might remember um one of our one of our guests uh mark nelson okay um he was he's been on the show maybe a couple times don't you think cheryl yeah maybe twice yeah and it been featured in the magazine as well and he was on paranormal witness last night Really? I missed it. Oh my gosh, yeah. I forgot it was on. Awesome. Okay. Oh. So how was that? How was that with Mark? It was quite an intense case. Okay. Yeah. Got to catch that. I love Paranormal Witness. I can't believe I forgot it was on. 
Yeah, and I almost never watch Paranormal Witness, but I knew Mark was going to be. If somebody I know is on, I I try to always watch. You know. Yeah. I I haven't watched that show in a, a long time. I, I watched it when it first came on. I haven't watched it since. Though. I mean, I watched like the first season, I think. So, one of the ones I just kind of I don't know for some reason I just never get to it. So, are you gonna are you gonna watch the All Around Us documentary? Oh heck yeah! Oh heck yeah! Did you see the trailer? Uh, no. no, I have not seen the trailer yet. I have yeah, not. Yeah, they put out the trailer. Ooh, Ooh gotta gotta find that. Where's that Sounds- at? It's more well, of a teaser. Um, it's on the Facebook, the All Around Us documentary what, Facebook. You should okay. be able to find it. It's on YouTube. Nice. Um, or if you were one of the people, it's probably now on the All Around Us documentary website as well. Nice. So if it's on Facebook, then I'll just share the heck out of it. So there you go. Do. Do. We're, we're, still, we're still filming. Uh-huh. Um, and we're still filming through the rest of the year because, I, I mean, but just the way that Tristan, the director, has put together this um teaser is it's it's really beautiful and it gives you a, a great sense of seth and of course seth is frequent flyer on the show and we love mm-hmm. seth michael yes that's cool and, um oh, yeah. i mean come on a whole documentary about seth michael what's not to like right <laughs> right <laughs> yeah it'd be, I, i'm really intrigued to see how it all turns out like how it all when it's all put together you know what, it, what it's gonna yeah, be yeah and you know a lot of the people who are in it yes i do i feel like i know all these famous people now i'm telling you Oh yes, we're all celebrities, every one of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, just not you know, not celebrities per se, but you know, you're famous because you know you're out there, people see you, so that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. That's cool. That's nice. Um, I think it'll I think it'll send a really good message from what I hear. So um, I'm looking forward to it. I, I I believe so too. I think that Seth has such a a refreshing viewpoint about what it is to be a psychic medium and. Um, <laughs> why the work we do is important. That's not the same garden variety stuff you hear from everybody else. Cool. There you go. And Cheryl, what's new with you? Anything happening over at the home front? Uh, We're working on the, uh, we're almost done with our September issue. And so that's going to go online hopefully this weekend. You really quickly this week, huh? What now? I better send you a dream interpretation like now. You better like tonight. No, like tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) I'll get up early tomorrow. Sweet. And do it. Yeah, cool. we got all sorts of good stuff uh, in in the upcoming issues, so you can find that on paranormalunderground.net. There you go. And um, other than that, just uh, working hard. Okay. And- awesome. So hey, I'm going to be actually teaching a dream interpretation workshop. Oh, nice. How, where? At the Lewis County Historical Museum. We are having okay. um, this big whole big thing for October called Spirited October. Mm-hmm. And so I'm teaching too. I'm teaching a crystals healing, a crystal healing, and a um, dream interpretation workshop. Um, William Becker is teaching a psychic development class. Uh, Joe Teeples is coming to talk about real world vampires and the research he did um, mm-hmm. into the vampire underworld when he was writing a novel called uh, Vampires: A Maxwell Jackson Mystery, I think. Um, let's see what else do we have? Oh, Seth, Michael, speaking of Seth and Aurora are going mm-hmm. to do a gallery reading one night. Uh, white light paranormal insight is going to teach a kid's camp. A kid's ghost oh, camp. Kids, cool. That's cool. Ghost camping is going to teach fun. those chillings, chillings to a ghost hunt. So mm-hmm. all sorts of really good stuff. Nice. That sounds outstanding. Gosh, I wish I could be there. 
Yeah, you you really do. You well, you should have started driving like you wanted yesterday. I know I should have. I was going to drive down to Karen's yesterday. Huh? Today, whenever I told you that, she was on the menu this weekend, and she was thinking she should she should head on. I invited myself over to Karen's, but yeah, I didn't go. Well, you you're always invited. Thank you. And then you didn't show. That's one of nice. these days, Karen. One of these days. Well, Teresa West tells me she and Wade are coming out next summer. Nice. Oh, cool. oh my god, that's gonna we'll be so see. fun. Yeah. Well. I, I believe it's that time. Can we go with that time there, Miss? Is it that Ms. time? Oh, I love that time. We'll, all right, let's, we'll, let's, let's, <laughs> let's do, do it. it. All right, guys. Nice. Just when you thought the world couldn't get any weirder, it's time for our news of the strange. <laughs> that is correct. It's time for the news, the weird news, the interesting news, the strange news, however you want to call it. So, first one up. This one kind of caught my eye because I wasn't sure how to take this one. So it's called British Pub Claims Its Ghost Was Stolen, Demands Chinese Artist Returns It. Yes, that is correct. HuffingtonPost.com. I'm not really sure how you steal a ghost, but we're going to find out. Okay, so it goes like this. A supernatural squabble has broken out between a British pub that dates back to medieval times and a Chinese artist. The ye old man in scythe, a 765-year-old pub in Bolton, England, claims it was haunted by the ghost of James Stanley, the 7th Earl of Derby, who was beheaded outside the pub in 1651. The establishment even posted footage on YouTube that allegedly features images of the ghost in action. But the ghost has, well, given up the ghost. He is missing, and the pub owners are blaming Chinese artist Lu Pinyang for stealing it. Lu wrote on his website he caught the ghost at the pub in a symbolic act in, re in reaction to the UK's colonistic past, which saw great losses of both tangible and intangible cultural assets by other nations. Now the pub wants its specter back. Owner Richard Greenwood told the Bolton News that he sent a letter to the artist calling for the ghost's return. The letter states as follows. I feel very strongly that James Stanley's ghost should remain in Bolton and ye old man and scythe to preserve the natural order of things. That said... I do believe that your ex exhibition should travel and be seen by many people around the world, and I would like to contribute to this as long as the end of the, your ex exhibition is returned home. Greenwood also told the newspaper he's contributed to chair, reputed to have been the one Stanley sat in for his last meal, if the artist would ensure the safe return of both phantom and chair. Lou, who said on his website that his stories are partly authentic and partly fictional, often enigmatic and concerned with spiritual themes, told the Bolton News that the ghost agreed to be captured and used for the exhibition. The ghost may return, Lou said, but only if he wants to. The artist was quoted as saying, My original thought is that after the world tour of exhibitions, I will discuss with him and ask him whether he would prefer to stay like this as a piece of art or go back to the ye old man in scythe. So, what do you think about that, Karen? What do you think about that? What does my face tell you I think about that, Chuck? I, yeah, I, like... Uh... And you know me pretty well. Do I need to go on a rant? No, no, we don't want you to go on a rant. Okay. Yeah, I saw the face, so we'll just move right on. No, here's the thing, honestly. Yes, yes go ahead. If someone can... I mean, if someone asks me if I'd like to go on a touring art exhibit... I have every right to decide whether I do that or not. You cannot own the human soul. You cannot steal you. the human yes, soul. Yes, thank you. That's well, what my face was saying. Unless it's Ghostbusters and they suck them up in the vacuum thing. But I mean, other than that, I mean, come on. Really? Come on. 
So, all right. So the next one is, on this one is kind of interesting. Um, Alien News 2016. Japanese are direct descendants of ancient Martians. This comes from Morning News USA. Okay, so when it comes to alien news, Japan is not the first thing that comes to mind, uh, let alone makes the headlines. But a recent image grabbed from Google Earth could change all that and prove once and for all that extraterrestrials visited incomings with ancient humans. The image shows structures eerily similar to structures photographed on the Martian surface. The structure appears to be a three-faced stone pyramid connecting to a dome-like rock. UFO sightings daily reported that the strange structures on Mars were photographed two years ago. Lying in an empty plane, its side appeared to have straight edges sloping to a circular formation at its base. They did not pique the interest of conspiracy theorists and alien news enthusiasts at the time, up until the image of a similar formation in Japan. They are believed to have been constructed during the uh, Kofung era, which lasted from 250 to 538 AD. Are the structures made by the same unknown group, and could they be the original inhabitants of the red plant before it became a desolated wasteland? If so, where are they now, and are the Japanese people connected to them in some way? It is a fact that Japanese crea creation myth tells of gods who appeared spontaneously and also did not possess a definite sex. These five appeared spontaneously and went into hiding after the emergence were those how the earlier settlers of the island described a visit from extraterrestrials. Japan opens its doors to the world barely 200 years ago, and even then their way of life has been considered strange by many. They are one of the few, if not the only country which naturally worship is still flourishing. Their deities within nature often make appearances time and time again to visit holy places. Could these gods actually be extraterrestrials making contact with its chosen people? Will future developments make Japan the spotlight for alien news? And what of the or other origin stories throughout the world? Do they also contain a sliver of truth? hidden behind the fantastic stories of epic struggles in heavens. Guess we'll just have to wait and see. So I thought that was uh, Many questions, no answers. Any questions, no answers. I thought it was interesting how they're trying to tie it in, though. I mean, you know, because I, I just never thought of that before. That so. was a speculative piece, I would say. I would say that is correct. But, you know, speculative pieces are also good. My last one is... World record 199-mile long lightning bolt reported. And we know how much we like storms and lightning. Yeah, that got to your attention, Cheryl. Uh, you know, like when we're all like, oh, my God, there's a storm. Take your headphones off when we're doing the show. Yeah. 199 100... miles long. <laughs> That's what I said. So scientists identified all-time world records for both the longest lightning bolt, nearly 200 miles, and the world's longest duration lightning flash over seven seconds, according to a report released last Thursday. Both records were certified by the World Meteorological Organization, which is in charge of documenting such things. The record-long lightning bolt was spotted over Oklahoma, which traveled 199.5 miles, about three-quarters the length of the state. That's almost the distance from New York City to Washington, D.C. The world's longest-lasting lightning flash lasted for 7.74 seconds on uh, over a province in France. A report about the records had been accepted for publication in the Bulletin of American Meteorological Society. 
This reinforces critical safety information regarding lightning, specifically that lightning flashes can travel huge distances from their parenting thunderstorms. Our experts' best advice, when thunder roars, go indoors. The lightning strikes were detected using extreme-sensitive radio receivers, uh, likely to how an AM radio sounds during a thunderstorm when the static of the lightning discharge can be heard. We set out these extreme-sensitive radio receivers to hear a storm to triangulate exactly where the lightning start flashes and it ends. So far this year, 35 Americans have been killed by lightning. Uh, this is the first time lightning has been included in the official World Organization Archive of Weather and Climate Extremes, which documents records of heat, cold, wind, speed, rainfall, and other events. 199.5 We miles. are not going to repeat that story to my mother. That is <laughs> terrifying. Is my that? mother will probably, would my, when, when there used to be, I mean, you could hear lightning and it would be like where you'd count, you know, 20 seconds between the lightning and the thunder or something, yeah, right? My right. mother would let us sit on the toilet. So I just can imagine if she learns that it's that, that it can be 199 miles away. Yeah. So it'd be like, you know, in New York City, there's a thunderstorm and here comes the lightning all, all the way so, across. The so what I had heard was that lightning can travel 10 miles away from its, like if it's, if the sky's clear over your head yes. and 10 miles away is a storm, it can travel 10 miles. How could well, it travel I mean, it 200 travel, miles? I don't know, but they how record. Do they so, how yeah. do they measure it, that? With They measured it with radios. They took radios and they put sensitive radios out all the way across to do studies on storms and such. And then they, yeah. I really wish I didn't know that, Chuck. Thanks a lot. Well, that's something else. I thought it was interesting. I was it like, was. you were sitting in your house and like, you know, 200 miles away, zap. I'm like, ow, what the heck? There's not even a storm around here. What's going on? You know? My apartment just, got struck by lightning once. Did it really? Yeah, that was terrifying. Mm-hmm. We had some lightning here yesterday, man. It was going off, and I was trying to do some writing, and the it, 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 it like it was right in the backyard. It's like bam, you know, you get that that flash of light, you know, really. I mean, just like shook the whole house. <laughs> the then, shit, yeah. Yeah, and then boom, the power goes off, and I'm like, okay. And I'm sitting there for about a minute, and all of a sudden, whoop, everything went mm-hmm. back on. I'm like, oh, that scared the heck out of me, though. I mean, that was like just way too close. Yes, I remember. I recall a conversation with my son when he was a teenager. He was on the golf course in a lightning storm. I was like, dude, get off the course. Oh, well, be fun. <laughs> yeah, what golf clubs? Hey, we're just walking lightning rods right now. Hello. Yeah, so I, yeah, I wouldn't must- for graphite. I don't know if graphite is, is conductive. I'm not sure. Well, if you're in a car, you're safe, right, though, because it has rubber it's tires. Rubber tires. Yeah. Well, I don't understand the toilet seat thing. Is because it's water? Is that what? Because it can come up through. So here's the thing. My mother would not let us go to the bathroom during lightning storms, as I said. And her reasoning was it can travel through the pipes. And so we always made fun of her. And I mean, because when you got to go, you got to go, right? Right. Exactly. And so we would always sneak in and use the restroom or whatever during a lightning storm. And my mother would be furious. And then one day, a news story came out about a woman who lightning struck her while she was on the crapper because it came through the pipe. <laughs> and my mother, my for God. the rest of my life, I mean, uh-huh. my mother is still like, see? So she- <laughs> <laughs> it's going to hold you that one forever. See what I told you? Yeah, Pretty well, much, then. yeah. I mean, well, you know, that's so that and where don't have holes in your socks if you're shopping for shoes. <laughs> well, and, you, you know, the clean underwear accident thing is always a goodie, an oldie, an oldie but goodie. Yeah, I was always told that if you're, you know, wear clean underwear in case you're in an accident, you know. If I'm killed in an accident, 
You know what happens to people when they die? Like the last thing they usually yeah, frap in their pants. Yes. So I, that's what I was just say. What well, doesn't make any sense? If I, if a truck was yeah. coming at me, I had clean underwear, and I'm like, oh shit, I'm about to die. I'm gonna all over the place. So I mean, seriously, what's the what's the point? So I don't understand. I don't get it. Hey, look, my friend Patty's in the is a, a listener this evening. Hello, Patty. All right. Paranormal in Wisconsin. Wisconsin, yeah, it's cool. So, um, so yeah, that's it for the news this evening. That's all I got. That's all she all wrote. Right. So I, uh, I turned my editor at uh, one of my, the managing editor at one of the places I write for, onto Black Eyed Kids. Oh, did you? Oh, are you going to well, write? Well, accidentally, yeah. And, and how's that? How'd that go? And I tried to discourage her because I mentioned it in context of something else, and she was like, "What's that?" I said, well, you know, you really don't want to know. You won't sleep at night. It's really kind of a frightening thing. Oh, no. She was all over researching it. So, you know, once you go down that <laughs> rabbit hole. It's hard to come back, man. Black yeah, it kids, it's, it's such a weird subject, though. You know, I mean, there's a lot it's of weird well, stuff. The thing, the, thing, about it. the thing with black eyed kids for me was that I was always able to say, oh, it's just, I mean, it has all of the hallmarks of an urban legend, yeah, right? Slender Man, and yeah. And then we had the guy on mm-hmm. who had experienced it. And we yeah, had that was freaky. account. <laughs> that was freaking me out. Because you read that account, and you're like, yeah, whatever. Then the guy comes on, and then you're like, oh, my God, this guy's not lying. Oh, my God. No, this I mean, he was a pretty credible out. guy. Yeah, that's, that was kind of freaky. I have, to, I, have, I have to admit that that sure just... Locked it in for me right there. A journalist, Cheryl. Yeah, he was. He was a journalist um, from Texas, and Brian Brian Bethel. Yeah, and um, if you want to look up our podcast, just uh, go to Podbean or iTunes, search Brian Bethel Paranormal Underground. You'll want to listen to that. Yeah, he did because I always because everything was my mother's uncles. I mean, they had it had all of the hallmarks Mm -hmm. of an urban legend, and I've never talked to somebody before who has been a witness to something that's an urban legend. So there you go. Okay, well, should we go to break so that we can come back and... I I think so, yeah. Anguished Man Painting with T-Rex? Yes. All right, let's do that. You're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark here on MixLR. We'll be back in a few minutes with our guest, T-Rex. Hi, this is Cheryl Knight, editor for Paranormal Underground Magazine. And I'm Chad Wilson, Paranormal Underground Magazine's publisher. Every month, Paranormal Underground Magazine explores the unexplained by examining topics that range from haunted sites to ufology to cryptozoology. We also spotlight investigators and researchers who continue to pave the way in a field that seeks to answer some of life's most complex questions. If you want to read about topics like psychic phenomena, demonology, conspiracy theories, crystals and herbology, and much, much more, visit ParanormalUnderground.net and start exploring the unexplained today. Hey everyone, if you can't get enough of Paranormal Underground, then I've got good news for you. We're on social media. You can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, and I think even on MySpace, and nobody has a MySpace page anymore. So check out Paranormal Underground on your favorite social media site today. Hey, great t-shirt. I've heard of that place. It's really supposed to be haunted. You wear such cool t-shirts. You must have been, what, to every haunted spot in the country? Well, not really. I'm a member of HauntedShirtClub.com. I get a great t-shirt from a different haunted place every month, along with an info card with photos and stories and more. I can hardly wait to open it every month. Wow, I have to check that out. 
HauntedShirtClub.com, right? Yep, that's it. Nestled in the rolling hills of rural northwestern Illinois, just 45 miles southeast of historic haunted Galena, is Willow Creek Farm. Considered by paranormal investigators and others to be one of the most haunted private residences in the state, the farm is much more. It's not just another ghost story, but an amazing tale of an eternal connection between the living and the dead, where time doesn't exist. Find out about the mystery of the farm and what makes it so unique. Coming October 31st, 2016 to Amazon. Hey everyone, it's Karen Frazier, co-host of Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. Thanks for listening to the show. You've probably read my column in Paranormal Underground Magazine. I write columns about energy healing, metaphysics, and also dream interpretation. But did you know I also am an author of multiple books about metaphysics and the paranormal? You can learn more about the books that I've written on my website, authorkarenfraser.com. That's author, Karen, K-A-R-E-N, Frazier, F-R-A-Z-I-E-R.com. Global Secret Society, what imprisons your overall freedom, dismissed as conspiracy. Mind-controlling technology, dismissed as science fiction. Evolutions in primal energies, ghostly apparitions, UFO and extraterrestrial life forms, dismissed as a fantasy. Three books, written by Maria Anna van Driel, telling you everything what can be known by revealing the truth of the most unbelievable actions governments have made in the last eight decades in mind and behavior control. So you're looking for the best in Paranormal Radio. Well, you just found it. Right here on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark. Join me, Chucky G, and my awesome co-host, Karen Frazier, for topics ranging from the metaphysical to the unexplained. That's right. Every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and other times in the flyover states on MixLR, we will delve into all things paranormal. And along the way, we hope to entertain you and have a few laughs as well. So join us on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark, exploring the unexplained. We are back. If you're with us, you're listening to MixLR. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark with your host, Karen Frazier, and me, Chucky G. And now, drumroll, it is time for our guest, Miss T. Ricks. Hi, T. How you doing? Coming to us from overseas. Yeah. Cheerio. (laughs) Middle of the night. (laughs) (laughs) I've got to go get something from my boot. (laughs) Yeah, and you're like, and and you're there, and you're you're not feeling well, but you're still with us. That's so awesome. Yeah, thank you. I'm sorry you're not feeling well. Got a little (laughs) flu, huh? Yeah, it's the time of the year, unfortunately. But I'm fine. No worries. I'll just, like I was saying before, if if I need to cough, I'll just go very quickly and mute. But I'll be right back. <laughs> Perfect. We know how that goes. <laughs> All right. So um, I, I almost never prepare for our shows because I like to have spontaneous conversation. Yeah, sure, but I nice. actually started. I actually looked up some of the stuff today about this um, painting. Yeah, and you are producing a movie. It, now, is it like a, um, is it documentary or is it like a fictional? It's a fictional feature film, so it'll be um, in theaters. Um, so yeah, it's a full long, long feature film that we're producing. And yeah, and it's about the um, anguished man painting. Yes, it is. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> um, that 
which is widely considered one of the most haunted objects on the planet. Yes. Yes, that's I've understood. I mean, it's it's been rated at uh, top five haunted items in the world. It's pretty well known. It's got a good following. I think pretty much millions and millions of people are aware of the painting. It's been on various shows such as, you know, I can't remember what's called Weird or What with William Shatner, by the way, mm-hmm. as well. Yep. So it's 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 got a good, I would say, fan base covering and, and, and who are people who are aware of the painting. So, yeah, it's a very interesting, very interesting object, object in my opinion. Yeah, so what led you to acquire the rights to this story? How did you hear about it? How did you get here? Yeah, well, first of all, I've been um, a fan of the paranormal and, well, I'm a horror director. That's what I mainly focus on. And um, so I'm always interested in, in, you know, coming up with ideas of of creating new stories. And I've been a huge fan you know, fan of paranormal um, um, since I was very little. And uh, this actually came about when one of our mutual friends, the owner of the painting, Mr. Sean Robinson and um, me, we had a mutual friend and our mutual friend was just one day over at dinner just talking about this painting, The Anguished Man, and I've never actually heard of it before. And so I just tried to, um, you know, just intrigued. I was intrigued about it. I was asking our mutual friend, like, you know, can you tell me more about it? And he was saying, well, there's this guy who has this painting and this painting was allegedly painted by this unknown painter who um, mixed blood with the paint and shortly after it was completed, the painting, he actually committed suicide so of course this this intrigued my um my appetite on on finding out more and 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 having a possible discussion so i was talking to my business partner that um you know he said that this would be a great idea to you know consider as a possible film or story and um well our mutual friend then put us in touch with mr sean robinson and um i was having a chat with him he was actually saying that there are actually a couple of other uh, production companies as well kind of bidding for the life story rights so um yeah we had a great chat and then sean robinson actually chose our company to um work with him on this project so that's cool. the kind of background behind that so as you are relaying the background of the painting, and as I was reading about it today, um, a question came to mind about it. And you may or may not know this. Has anybody actually done anything to authenticate any part of the story, such as like testing a little bit to see if there's blood in it or anything? Yes, I can't remember who it was. I can't remember if it was on the William Shatner show or was, I think there was another a Japanese um program as well that was looking into the painting. One of these, either way, um, did a test um, trying to find out if there was indeed blood used within the painting or within the paint. Um, and I think Mr. Robinson, when we had a discussion around the kind of background behind the story, he said that it, it I think I believe it came in inconclusive. So it wasn't denied that there was or wasn't any evidence of, of blood in. So it kind of left this, the um, the option open. So I don't know, we don't have any like any, any facts or 100% facts if it was blood or not but i think it's kind of intriguing as well kind of interesting that it did come inconclusive as well so there wasn't any 100 percent denial either of the fact so yeah well, it's interesting because you know i went on his uh, the site you know the anguish man painting mm-hmm. site and they were stating that studies made on the painting showed it did include blood but okay. what, what i find interesting is there's no documentation to the actual story of the painter slash suicide yeah. you know the actual yeah, yeah. background to it is that true 
The there is uh, to my to my understanding there is no hundred hundred percent way of knowing who actually who it was because the story is when I spoke to Mr. Sean Robinson as well is it's basically he inherited the painting from his grandmother. Yes. And um, so what he knows from being you know young and when he inherited later on um, that the story goes that somehow it, it got into his grandmother's possession. Um, uh, if I understood correctly, there were some documents. Um, possibly given, but they might have been lost. I don't know what happened to them. Um, you know, I don't know if it was something to do with with the possible name of the um, painter, or if there was something to show more, more about, um, you know, anything related basically to paint. I don't know. Uh, but there is nothing that that we can 100%, you know, verify who it's been made by or anything like that. So that is kind of in a way um, not a sad factor, but it kind of keeps also the mystery alive on you know the story yeah. of, of of who it might have belonged to and. And is it is there any basis behind it basically that you know someone has actually committed suicide after painting that? So is the, it's the intriguing story behind it. Yeah, right. no. and provenance can be difficult in yeah. in the best of cases to trace and to authenticate. Provenance is um is a tough one. Yeah. So exactly. are you in in your movie? Are you depicting the backstory as well, or just um, the the kind of the aftermath? Well, let's put it this way. There's a not, I can't really comment too much on the actual story just yet because um, the film is still in development phase. But uh, let, let's put it this way. There is going to be a lot around the actual happenings that actually happened to Mr. Mr. Robinson and his family. So there is that story. But, of course, we will be looking into, uh, as a film, you always have to think about the entertainment value, of course. Um, so there will be, you know, some some things that we need to might, you know, make make um, a bit more different and kind of emphasize on the kind of drama point, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's weird that you know, it's weird that a painting isn't signed, though. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, that's yeah. that's that's the odd thing about it that it's not signed. And it, you know, it, like you said, it was handed down from his grandmother. Um, yeah. So so um, okay, so we're making. Um, have you like i'm assuming are you using the actual painting in the movie or are you using like a replica of it like they do with the dybbuk box or you know how are you <laughs> well we're going to have um the painting it will be kind of repainted so in the actual film because it, it'll be a prop we want to use the actual painting because it's quite valuable right um you know in the sense that it will be used in marketing so people will be able to have a chance to actually um go and visit the painting um when we go into kind of tour uh with the marketing projects that we're focusing on so people will have an uh, ability or the possibility to actually see the painting live um, mm -hmm. and, and kind of ask questions with, around the subject with Mr. Robinson as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so that will be used, but not in the actual film. So that will be a prop and, and uh, basically will be very like uh, the painting. I don't know how much we're going to be looking to change it yet to make it more scary, like in the case of, for instance, films like Annabelle Doll. If you think yeah. about the Annabelle Doll in the film, it's it's really nothing looking like the actual doll. So no, there might be that factor that we might need to make it look a little bit more scary, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I've seen that painting. I think it looks pretty darn creepy just the way it is. <laughs> I, I mean, do think, I think in the Dybbuk box movie, they left the Dybbuk box exactly the way it was. Because didn't well, we have the replica that they made for the movie? Yeah. Well, they, the well, they made it tall. Well, they made it tall though. They made it more like, um, you know, wider this way than this way. But yeah, pretty much other than that, it was pretty much the same. So, yep. That's pretty cool. So, so when you were, since you're doing this movie, I'm, I'm assuming you had to meet with him and you got to see mm -hmm. the actual painting. Mm -hmm. And did you, you know, you're into the paranormal and you're there with this guy who has this painting. I mean, come on, didn't you want to, did you do any investigating? Did you do any 
You know what I mean? Test test the theory kind of a thing. <laughs> Let's put it this way: that I'm I'm a, I'm a pretty firm believer that there is something something probably to the painting. I mean, and me as a, as a story maker, I, I try to be biased in the sense that you know I I, I can't say if something is 100% um, haunted or not. It's more the story of the actual thing that kind of intrigues me as a, as a filmmaker. So anything that that we could we can't have we, we haven't tested it in that way yet. Mm-hmm. We are focusing on on possibly doing a documentary around it as well. So, but in terms of testing it, let's put it this way: I don't want to be part of the team necessary that wants to go and test it <laughs> why not so, you said you're in the paranormal yeah, come on paranormal, you know? but i've got my own uh, i've got my own about the stories on oh my gosh know, the, the kind of um what i've understood like uh, mr robinson has told me a lot of the cases that the painting has actually caused a lot of people to have nosebleeds mm-hmm. um so <laughs> and and kind of being pe- people being pushed by the stairs and maybe something following them home so like i said i've had my own paranormal experiences but anything that's kind of been um in some ways been said that it's kind of maybe some way um, malevolent <laughs> in nature. Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't know if I want to take my chances on that. Let's just put yeah. it that way. Yeah. Cause I mean, Karen had the, what we call it the Fibic box, whatever the, you know, and I, I, I got a chance to take it to my house too, or my, my ex-wife was not thrilled about me having it in the house. Yeah. Either, yeah. So. Um, but yeah, so I, I can, I, I understand where you're coming from. So, yeah. um, so let's get a little backstory. I, I'd like to find a little bit more about you. Um, I mean, how did you get into filmmaking? I mean, what was your what was your first foray into filmmaking, or why did you want to get into filmmaking? Is it something you love? Oh, or- hard question, hard question. Well, um, I guess it started from like I said in the uh, probably in the beginning that I'm a, I'm a huge horror fan and, and a fan of the paranormal, mm-hmm. and um, I started out when I was five years old when I was um, my dad had a huge collection of horror films. Cool. And of course, he told me at you know a young age, don't go watch them, as you're probably going to have nightmares. And um, of course, at the age of five or six, I didn't listen because I was so intrigued with. Right. You know, I, I saw my dad once watching a film, and I sneaked up behind him and, and looking at the film. I think it was called Troll or something like that. And yes. I remember, oh. yeah, <laughs> and yes. I had horrible, horrible nightmares. But the I, usually, you know, you, your 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 senses go like you see something horrible, and then you kind of go, well, okay, I don't want to have anything to do with that. For me, it was total opposite mm-hmm. that it actually intrigued my. <laughs> intrigued my interest within films and horror I was like yeah this is the kind of stuff I want to do I want to I want to focus on creepy stuff and you know because I think it's the adrenaline rush even though I was very young I didn't understand you know why I maybe feel this is intriguing Mm-hmm. But um, that's how it kind of started. So, and after that, I'm um, in my teens, or yeah, I was I was thinking of you know what what should I do? What you know what should I do when I grow up? And, you know, I was um, focusing a lot on on becoming a painter at that time. I went to high school for um, for for you know studies in painting and arts. So I was thinking, well, you know, I could do this. Uh, it's fine, but you know, it's not really giving me what I want. So, and I heard about this really cool film school. Um, in Finland because my mom is Finnish and we moved there um, when I was about in my teens. So when I was about in my 20s after I graduated from high school um, and um, um, and college basically went straight to the University um, of Filmmaking in in, in, in Lahti, it's a city mm-hmm. in, in and um, yeah, I studied. I studied that for four years. Uh, it was a really cool school. And after that, yeah, that's how I kind of got into that whole mode, if that makes sense. Wow. So, then what was your first film? What was your first like your first production? Because I'm a filmmaker, <laughs> so I'm kind of curious. Well, my first production was, of course, something in school. It was a short film that we made <laughs> uh-huh. uh, with. A- people and it wasn't actually horror it was more to do with um fantasy fantasy films something like more like tolkien and stuff like that yeah, right. and 
after that, um, I worked for about, let's say about four years um, after a school, because it was really hard to get work as a director, because, you know, you're straight from film school. Oh, People yeah. don't tend to take serious like you know what do you really know about film yet so i started my uh, my job as being an editor and um when i and after that i started winning you know prizes from editing after that they um different places gave me jobs about you know working as a director and that's how i kind of gradually built it up my my um director work and um yeah my first like main feature was a um a mock documentary actually called better than andy mm -hmm. which was um, um a feature film that uh, was based around uh, this crazy artist that was kind of you know very bohemic and very crazy and um was on his top of his game at some point but then he lost it all and he came you know he came back to finland and and uh, was just a kind of a way of looking into this artist's life and what is art you know all these kind of art pieces where you know you 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 dig a hole in the ground and you get a, a you know a 10 foot pole and you then you put it in the ground and you kind of cover it up and you know that's in some cases some people consider that as art so that was kind of the film in that sense of scoping about crazy people making these really art, weird art pieces so that was my first film <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty darn interesting i don't even have to say that one now i know you won a, a best new music video of the year didn't you win an award for something like that Yes, I did. Yeah, that was yeah. way back. Yeah, that was when I was still starting out. But yeah, that was the I think the second music video that I ever made, and it was um, it was chosen by the the the, the people basically of the music video channel um, mm -hmm. back in Scandinavia. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. Cool. So I mean, what I mean, you're in the you're in the biz per se now. So what have you worked on? Uh, you know, things that we know or. Um yeah, so I mean, the I don't know if you might have heard there was a, my my second feature film, my horror for yeah, Rage, Rage Midsummer's Eve, mm -hmm. yeah. back in, uh, last year in March 2015, and now I'm working on kind of the the my bigger scope if that makes sense. So I'm still I'm still in a work in progress, as you know, people in the indie field would say. So it's mm -hmm. it's about you know getting to bigger places. So that's why we're working on this film that's at the moment. All right. So how did I mean? How did you even get hooked up with the uh, the gentleman that owns Sean that owns the painting. How did you? I mean, how did you even get hooked up with him? To well, that was our, through our mutual friend that we had. Um, so we were just having dinner with him, and um, yeah, we just he just told mentioned this <laughs> painting, and uh, he just said, um, you know, my my business partner. We were all having dinner, and we were talking about. I don't even know where it came up. It was just because he's in the paranormal. We were just talking about things, and he would just say, hey, have you heard about this um, Anguish Man painting? I said, no, I've never heard about it. Can you tell me more? And he said, yeah, it's this crazy painting, and it's, you know, it's, it's allegedly haunted, and um, it's causing a lot of freaky stuff at um, the owner's house. And uh, that, of course, intrigued me. And I said, hey, you know, maybe we can... Um, Hook up, hook up a, you know, a call with with the owner, mm -hmm. and discuss from Madis further, and that's how it started, basically. Doesn't he? Does he live in England too, or? Yes, he or? Does. Yeah, yeah. Okay, he lives so further right. away. Yeah. Lives further in the north than than I do. So yeah. Well, that's an interesting way to start off. You're having dinner, and like, <laughs> hey, but, yeah. But by the way, we got this haunted painting. It's really cool. Exactly. You know? <laughs> Not your everyday conversation, but <laughs> that's crazy. So, all right. So, so we're it's and the, the film is still. I'm assuming is it still in progress? Or are you still working? It's I mean, is it in, yeah. okay. Still, yeah. All right. And um, are are you writing it? Is someone else writing it? Who's who's the writer of the said film? 
Well, the main writer is is me and my my um, writing colleagues. So we've come up with the idea um, with, of course, Sean Robinson's guidance kind of around the painting. We you know we interviewed him a lot, tried to look as much as we could about the material that we could find online. You know, talking to anyone basically who had any kind of story around um, around the painting itself, mm-hmm. and that kind of you know inspired us to have the the concept that we have now. Which unfortunately I can't mention anything just yet. That's okay. About, but um, yeah, so we we are the screenwriters and the and um, basically focusing on that. Yeah, cool. Well, I have a question about um, other horror movies, and I and you're going to have to render it as opinion, obviously, because you didn't work on these movies. But one of my, um, I guess I don't want to say complaints, uh, yeah. but just kind of one of my issues with horror movies is that I often know the actual story because yeah. we work in this field, right? Yeah, yeah, and. Um, they ch- it it changes very much for the for the fictionalized movie, mm-hmm. and I understand that that's to make it scarier because you even said well we may want to make the painting a little mm-hmm. scarier things like that, but yeah. honest to God like the one that I'm thinking of is is the Dybbuk box just because mm-hmm. we Jason has been on our show so many times so we know yeah. the Dybbuk yeah. box intimately yeah yeah and um and I guess that story is really quite scary on its own so why why tinker with it when it's so scary as it is is it just something that wouldn't play as well with audiences or what's the thought process behind changing that well if i mean i i, I know as, as well a lot about the dibby box is one of my uh, let's say favorite items that i've i've heard about which are haunted <laughs> um and it, cool. and it freaks yeah and it freaks me out as well and and so i've looked at a lot of um shows and documentaries that have been around the dibby box and the story itself is 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 very scary yes indeed um but i think a lot of the times the factor is for filmmakers is finding the entertainment value so making it Make it maybe you know maybe we don't we don't necessarily always want to use um, the actual people you know using basic basically their names we want to make more fictional characters based on an item as as this one for instance this this story of the Dibbit box is a bit different than than what has been portrayed in in terms of the people actually dealing with with the actual item in real life but I think it's a lot to do with you know the directors or whoever's writing the the stories as what their vision what they consider will be more scary like can they maybe come up with something that is 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 more entertaining than it is already if that makes sense so it's it's really yeah. about it's really about the story like what kind of story someone wants to write about is something new do they want to have new characters or do they want to make a story that's based on already characters that are you know already living and and, and going through this process but sometimes for instance in in our story um like i said we are using a lot of what happened to Mr. Robinson and a lot of mm-hmm. itself is scary but it, it, in some ways it's it doesn't necessarily um it, it, in some ways it's maybe not always enough if that makes sense so as, as a filmmaker yeah. you're always looking for ways to make it more tense like for instance for me um I, I've watched a you know you know, of tons and tons of horror films, um, you know, for educational purpose or fun and everything. And, and, and I'm kind of numb, for instance, to a lot of, mm-hmm. to a lot of horror films. So I don't really get creeped out about anything yeah, uh, anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's the problem. So for me, it's kind of been a challenge of like, you know, how do we make a film that is really creepy? You know, like how do we work on something that kind of, you know, affects everyone that's in the, in the, you know, in the film. Theater. Yeah. And, that, that's and how that, do you, how do you find that balance between, genuinely creepy or scary and just like pandering and stupid because because a lot of (laughs) filmmakers really cross that line 
Yeah, I, I think, think it's, it's. I think I th- I've had this conversation with a lot of people, and I think a lot of people sometimes tend to put um, horror in a kind of a genre where it's kind of like, oh, you know, it's just you know, it's really simple and it's really really easy to do and it's fun and let's do these B movies, whereas you know, a lot of guts and blood and and stuff like that. I'm not very intrigued with with that kind of idea or that kind of movies. For me, it's more about the psychology behind it. It's about you yeah. know finding finding ways. For, like this might sound really horrible, but but me as a filmmaker is and especially focusing on horror, I would really love to find a way to do a really successful horror movie where people are actually traumatized by it you know and yeah. that's, that's the definition for me as, as a horror film is no, like I you know when I, when I when yeah. I used to be small like for instance one of the, the the films that always that actually terrorized me when I was when it came out was Blair Witch Project and that's basically just because I have a huge fear of the forest you know um, and it's and I think the key behind it is like you know one of my, a couple of my friends were you know laughing at me like how can you be afraid of Blair Witch you know you go tenting you camping like what's the worst thing that actually could happen but for me is you know the, the forward is an is an area where i'm not comfortable with i haven't really been in the forest i don't live in a you know in a detached house i live in a, in a, in a flat in an apartment building you know so all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff things that people are not maybe um you know used to or is is very um you know, you're not familiar with those are the kind of things that make things yeah. afraid for people. You know, and I think that's the, that's the balance of, of of trying to make a really successful film is you need to be able to find um, things that make people scared. And and then again, people are not. You know, everyone is individual. You know, what I might find scary is not what you guys find scary, if that makes sense. So it's right. really hard to find. Um, you need to find it, you know, a way to balance a lot of different things. You need to maybe someone's afraid of the dark. Let's put a scene where you know someone is searching the dark and then something you know creeps up behind them, or someone's maybe afraid of you know full you know full apparitions. So maybe we might think have to think about you know putting an apparition somewhere. But you know these are things that that are really really hard to focus on. So anyone who thinks that horror films are um, simple to make, I, I would I would you know kind of question that because it no, is really I, hard. I, I, hard I to disagree. Do. I disagree. Maybe slasher movies. Yeah. I tend to I you know and here's the thing so people lump slasher movies in with horror movies and I don't think they're the same thing I think it's a very different genre so for me when I think of horror I think of um the very first horror movie I ever saw when I was like six years old and it was um the pit and the pendulum with Vincent Price (laughs) cool scariest damn movie and I mean and it wasn't it wasn't blood guts and gore scary it was just scary and then another one, I, um, Phantasm, I think, was a scary movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you can tell I'm from the 80s, right? But <laughs> Phantasm was a scary movie as well. But those are, it's so, so you know, I, I don't like that they put the slasher movies in the genre of horror because I feel like they're a different thing, don't you? Yeah, I, I, in some terms, yeah. I, I, that's that's a good, actually a good point because in some ways they are different um, from... The actual horror. I mean, you you can you know we can have this discussion. You know, is is Halloween, for instance, is that uh, just a pure slash, or is that also you know does that go into the horror genre? And and so it's really hard to sometimes determine what is pure slash and what is horror, and 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 kind of look at the boundaries between you know where does the paranormal cross and and all this kind of stuff. But I think the the slasher kind of films, um, especially, I think they like to play with. Um, the kind of the thrill of 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 seeing a lot of blood and guts like you said so for me that's that's not the point for me it's like i you know it's the traumatizing factor like mm-hmm. films like paranormal activity for instance you know for me it's scarier to um 
to actually not see what I'm, you know, what, what's messing with my head, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. you know, and, and Paranormal Activity was incredibly well done. Yeah, exactly. Um, and in both Blair Witch and Paranormal Activity, the two you list, um, yeah. were both very well done. And two movies, now I almost never get scared at horror movies. I thought uh-huh. The Conjuring was hilarious. <laughs> so, um, you know, if that tells you anything about kind yeah. of what it yeah. takes, but both paranormal just just the first paranormal activity yeah, yeah. and Blair Witch were both psychologically genuinely scary movies so how do you find that and tap into that I th- that's a really hard question but I think it's the way to kind of tap into that is to think about like the primal fear and I'm not a psychologist or anything I'm just thinking about you know what 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 are people afraid of you know it's it's people are afraid of the dark it's a primal thing people are afraid of you know things that we can't see but we can hear like where is that noise coming from so tapping into those kind of basic instincts i think is part of it in my opinion um but you know making making successful films again like i said it's really individual like you know there are tons of people who thought maybe paranormal activity wasn't scary you know that who don't believe in paranormal um paranormal thing is that they don't believe in entities or spirits or things that could be malevolent and you know and stuff like that so they would probably laugh at this conversation and then yeah, probably think probably. that you know something like something like you know halloween or, or 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 these normal kind of slasher films are really scary because maybe they think that people who go bonkers you know is is the actual horror thing yeah. that you know? so well. it's, it's really hard to kind of really tap into to making a successful film you know uh, i think the horror because there's so many different people and so many different tastes if that makes sense yeah the exorcist that was another one so do you have kind of a list of um the the horror movies that you feel like are your main influences that you that you think are really scary well like yeah like i said there (laughs) it's kind of narrow like you think about films that i think are scary i can mainly probably count them in one hand and and um I think the list would go well. Okay, we could talk about um, horror films that I really um, look up to, for instance, are um, Stanley Kubrick's version of The Shining. Um, I wouldn't put that necessarily as a, as a horror film. That's a different thing again. Um, but I love the psychological factor of, of the idea uh, and the kind of visual aspect to it. Um, horror films, like I said, The Blair Witch Project is one of my favorites um, and Paranormal Activity because they're both playing with, you know, with the mind, mind games playing there. You don't really see what's happening happening or you don't see what what is what it is that's kind of you know you know trying to scare you and trying to get you it's it's the factor that you're playing with sound and 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 different kind of ways of where you put the camera what do you see what you what what the person doesn't see in the audience is 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 playing around this so um films like the babadook for instance there was i wouldn't say it's it's um it's an overall successful film uh, in the sense for me personally of being scary, but there are a lot of good elements to it. If I, if I would put it that way and it's, it's directed by, you know, a female director as well, which is pretty rare to be honest. And, and because women do have a hard time getting up there and, and, and doing, <laughs> doing feature films in this industry. Um, but in terms of, um, horror films that I really look up to is it's really small because I really don't get scared. And and when I want to see a film that really, you know, you know, makes my drafts, you know, my pants fly out basically. (laughs) It's just, you know, so I'm really, really scared about something, but those films are very rare if that makes sense. So, yeah, I think, well, I like to chime in here, um, on the slasher film slash not being horror. Um, 
I I think that horror is like a large genre, you know, where you have your supernatural, you have your creatures, you have your, um, you know, your slashers. You have like there's several different uh, ways of doing it. But I think John Carpenter did a really fine job of mm-hmm. building store, uh, you know, a story and, yeah. and very character driven and not showing you much. Like, yes, you know, yeah. for instance, Halloween, like 75. Exactly. I, went, I, I went to see that at the theater. So I'll tell you how old I am. So, <laughs> and I'll tell you that creeped the heck out of me because it was the idea of like, oh, this is just a guy who's going to kill people. But it was yeah. more than that because he was more of a supernatural entity mm-hmm. to it because you just couldn't take him out. Yeah, um, exactly. And the fact that they didn't show, like if you watch the movie, there's, there's no blood, you mm-hmm. know, there's nothing. But yet the idea of the, like the scene where he sticks the guy to the, the closet, uh, the, yeah. the, the pantry door and yeah. stuff like that. I mean, it was just, you know, it just, yeah. it, it just really freaked me out. Just like, you know, the fog and yeah. such other, you know, great movies like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So I think that, I think that less is more when it mm-hmm. comes to, um, a movie. I think that, you know, you, you really want to have a good character base and, and a really good solid story, yeah. uh, and then work from there. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Halloween is, is one of my all time favorites is it's one of the reasons as well. I wanted to kind of focus on, on horror films because it's such a, a great masterpiece. I also love the Rob zombie version of, mm-hmm. of Halloween. It's a different take on it, but it's also somehow scary in very many ways, yeah. um, but in different ways. But again, you know, since we were on the slasher topic, there are, you know, there are so many slashes. Some of them are really good in yes. some ways, and then some of them are really, you know, really bad. And, and, and for yes. instance, um, one of my all-time non-favorites is, is I think it's called Hatchet or something like that. <laughs> and yes. it's just, for me, it's kind of like, I don't know, because I don't, I don't know if it's, if it's made with, you know, is it, is it totally serious or is it made in a kind of a comical way? Should, you know, because when I watch it, like, I feel like, should I be laughing or should I be, you know, should I be looking mm-hmm. at this in the sense of, should I be afraid of this? Because I'm right. not afraid of it, but right. there's a part of me that wants to laugh. And, and for me, me, I don't, I, this is just my personal opinion, but I don't like mixing um, comedy with horror. It's mm-hmm. just, um, it just, for me, it's like horror is horror and simple as that maybe sound very narrow-minded but it's just the way i feel about horror i think horror should be about traumatizing and not making stuff you know to jokes that's what we have comedy for but that's just my opinion you know yeah so so yeah That's uh, yeah. Well, I mean, some of the and I and I I have to say I do like some comedy with my horror, but it depends. It depends on the mood yeah. of what I want to watch too. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Yeah, sure. uh, sometimes when I watch action, I just want to see action. I want to see someone getting their butts kicked. Yeah. Sometimes exactly. I, I get a little comedy with that. But um, one of my all-time favorites is the Uninvited, which is a really old, the one with mm-hmm. Ray Milan. It's a really old mm-hmm. ghost story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was so well put together with no special effects, nothing at all. I mean, there were some small ones here and there, but it just was really creepy, you know. I mean, yeah. just when I watched that, when I watched that as a kid, I was like, okay, I'm freaked out now, you know. <laughs> so, um, yeah. so you're like the paranormal. So, have you ever got into the paranormal, like you know, going on an investigation? I mean, what 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 made you <laughs> interested in, in the paranormal? Did you have an experience? What? Well, okay, this is going to be a pretty long story if you could ask it that way, but um, I'll try to keep okay. it short. So, um, <laughs> oh, go ahead, take your time. We have, time. <laughs> we have so, like we a half have, hour. Yeah, you go for it, girl. <laughs> so, oh, um, just to give minutes, a little bit, of, just to give sorry, just to give a little bit of background. My um, my ancestral kind of roots come from um, Native American Indians, and um, my great great grandfather was a, a shaman uh, oh that's what I've been told and um, in my family there is also from my mother's side there runs a lot of um, kind of of 
people have had, let's put it this way, that there are people who have said that my grandmother and, and then, you know, in her family, there is this gift of sight, uh, you know, mediumship, being able to sense things and stuff like that. So when I was, when I was very young, um, I used to have, um, not visions or, or, or stuff like that. It was just be, you know, being very able to sense things very easily. Um, I used to have, you know, weird experiences that I didn't quite understand as a child. Like I didn't want to see anything. I like, I wouldn't see it at like any apparitions or anything like that, but I would, you know, sense there's someone in my room or, um, stuff like that. My, my dad passed away when I was eight years old and, and stuff like that. So th there's a lot of like, I would feel like maybe, you know, at times when I was home, I would feel like, well, you know, it feels like my dad's present, you know, I, it could be just me, but it felt really really real and then you know there were some cases where I was a teenager and I had a really good friend at that time and um, we both would have like the craziest things happen to us every time we were together in terms of the paranormal like um, if we went somewhere some strange things would happen like objects would be moving and we would see shadows in different places where we went together the the worst thing that ever happened to us was um, we were actually um, in Helsinki which is the capital of, of Finland and we were about 18 years old and um, we were for the first time basically um, going, you know, by ourselves. You know, we just turned 18. We could go to the bar, you know, <laughs> and have some fun. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, we, we decided let's go to her brother's place. He has his own flat. He's out of town. We can just, you know, crash there and have fun for the weekend. We don't have to be in our parents', you know, place and stuff like that. And um, so one night we decided, I think it was a Friday night, that uh, let's just go out and let's have fun and um, let's see what happens. And so we decided we went actually to a coffee shop. So we turned 18. We didn't even take any alcohol, which is kind of sad if, if you think about that. We just decided <laughs> to go to a coffee shop and real really boring. And this is how we celebrate being 18. And um, But we stayed out late. Um, we weren't particularly tired. I didn't think I felt tired and neither did my friend. Uh, it was time to go, you know, basically, you know, everything is closing down. The last buses are going, the trains. So let's, you know, let's go back to her brother's place and let's just call it a night. And um, so we went into the bus and I asked my friend, are you completely sure you remember where to get off? Like, you know, like what bus stop? And she said, yeah, 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 don't worry. And I was kind of like, okay, well, okay, let's see what happens. And uh, we went into the bus and the bus was driving along and all of a sudden I was looking at the windows like, uh-oh, that looks familiar, that place. And But I didn't say anything, so the bus went a little bit more and I was telling my friend, are you completely sure, like we've been on this bus now for 20 minutes, I'm pretty sure like his flat was, or his house was about 10 minutes away from, from the city center. And she said, no, no, don't worry about it, just sit down and, you know, let's, you know, it's probably the next one. I said, okay, fine. All of a sudden we were going in this really, really, really long, like, like road like there was nothing there. there was no houses or anything the bus was continuing people were in the bus of course it wasn't an empty bus but uh, it was just driving and driving and driving and then I told my friend listen I'm just going to ask the bus driver now if, if you know where is that stop because it's getting ridiculous so I went to the bus driver and asked hey you know where is that stop it was so and so and he said oh that was that went ages ago I was like oh great and he said don't worry I'll let you off on the next bus stop so he did and we got off with a couple other people. And then we realized we had to go onto the highway. We have to kind of, you know, lift our way back, <laughs> back to the city center and find a way, you know, to go to his flat that way. Because, you know, we could either walk, which would take us forever, or we just take, you know, just lift and take a take a ride from, you know, her basically hitchhike, <laughs> which wasn't a good idea. Or But, you know, what can you do? Mm -hmm. And um, so we were walking. We went back on the highway. We were going back towards the city center. And there were no cars whatsoever, right? You know, driving either way at that point. And um, all of a sudden, we were walking, and there was this like overhead bridge, basically on top of the road. Like there was this pretty cool bridge.
And um, my friend was looking behind me, and she was looking if there were any cars coming. I was looking at the bridge, and I saw this weird shadow. Um, and I thought, okay, that's odd. I mean, why is there a shadow like a person up on a bridge? Like, well, I thought, I thought maybe, you know, this is, you know, it's so, some sort of art, arty farty thing, <laughs> you know, that people want to put somewhere in the middle of nowhere. And um, I didn't, you know, I didn't think about it. And I turned away. I was looking at my friend, looking at where the cars are. And I just, you know, quickly turned my head back again to see if the shadows or the, the statue was there and it was gone. I was like, okay, this is just me. I'm just, you know, just, I'm just thinking, you know, maybe I'm just too tired. And so we're walking closer again to the bridge. And um, all of a sudden, my friend again was looking the opposite way. And I was looking at the bridge and I could see like feet dangling from the bridge. I was like, what is going on? Like, why are there feet dangling? Is someone trying to come down from the bridge? And um, I was going to tell my friend, you know, like, hey, turn a look. Do you see what I see? And when I turned back, there was nothing there anymore. So it's like, okay, I'm not going to say anything. My friend is going to think I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. And we're walking closer again to the bridge again. And all of a sudden, again, my friend <laughs> turned to the opposite way. And I was looking at the bridge. We were really close now. And on the wall of the bridge, on, on the lower case of the bridge, um, there was this figure of an act, like a person in an X pose. It was really odd. Like they were looking like they were on the on the wall, like in an X pose. Okay. Really weird. And um, I was going to tell my friend, like, now you've got to see this. Like, this is not me anymore. That's definitely someone there. And uh, we both looked, and all of a sudden it wasn't there. It was like literally in, the, in, you know, in an instant, we were just one second, and that person, or whoever was there, wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And um, so we came to the bridge. Um, we were just going to go under it, and we could hear like this really weird rumbling noise in the bushes. Mm-hmm. And so we, you know, that kind of <laughs> made us feel a bit scared. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, my friend was kind of like, well, no, no, it's just an animal, you know, just never mind. Let's just go quickly. And so, but the minute we came, we came basically outside or we walked under the bridge. And once we came, you know, to the other side of, of the bridge, basically, um, my friend at that instant, she looked back towards, towards the way that, you know, if their car is coming so we can h- hitchhike. And it was just to this day, I, I think I get goosebumps because it was just the look on her face. Like there's this non-verbal thing that sometimes you could just read someone so well and her face was just for an instant i knew what she was saying with her face without moving her lips she said you know kind of run and she started (laughs) running like crazy and i didn't want to look behind me i was running and running and running as well i was like you know my life was literally flashing before my eyes it's not a joke it tends to happen when you think you're dying and um i was like you know sorry mamas for you know sorry sorry that was such a dickhead i'm being that and that i'm really forgive me and and i just thought i have to look back now i have to know what i'm running from and um so i got the guts i turned while i was running i looked behind me and i i this is i swear to god i saw this figure that had like this freddy krueger shirt on like a black and black and red shirt it was really weird (laughs) i couldn't couldn't see any feet there were no feet there were no feet there was no head and i know that the arm of this figure um the right arm it was it was lifted and i could see something shiny in this arm and it was really weird and um but there's no there was just a torso there's no legs nothing and so we were just running and running and running and out of nowhere like from god send this or whatever you know whatever you know all of a sudden there was this car this taxi came there and it stopped in front of us and said you know hey come on quickly get into the car and so we said yeah without think we came, got into the car and there was the passenger and the taxi driver and uh we drove off and it was we were silent maybe for like five minutes we were catching our breaths and 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 being really panicked and all of a sudden the um the, the passenger was asking us, um, excuse me, ladies, what happened to the, what happened to the, to the person that was running behind you? I was, we were like, huh? 
<laughs> like what person <laughs> like oh you saw something too and said yeah but the strange thing like both the taxi driver and the passenger they were both sober um they both said that they saw something like running behind us but didn't have any legs there was something definitely there and all of a sudden once it they came there closer to us it vanished in thin air like it didn't jump like to according to their words there's no way they it jumped anywhere because there were no bushes there was a straight fall down to the next kind of highway down there yeah. where we were running so where did it go you know so i don't know what that was i really don't know i don't know if it was paranormal but it, look for for people to have that kind of experience like me and my friend we were talking about what we saw and and the guys in the taxi without even us saying anything they saw the same thing so so that was the most craziest and most terrifying experience I've ever had. And basically. how have you not turned this into a movie? Yeah. Well, yes, it works still. It's in the work still. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. I bet you slept well yeah. that night, huh? So, yes. So sorry about the long story, but that that was no. just one of the things that that um, that has happened to me. And it's still, you know, intriguing. And still, even though terrified the, the living daylights out of me, um, it's still, you know, still kind of gives you that adrenaline that this is the kind of stories I want to make. And this is the feeling that I had then I would like to create for other people to, <laughs> to experience as well. <laughs> it sounds really horrible, but it's wow. the truth. <laughs> Yeah. So, so it's like it. So, but but it's interesting that that would happen. I mean, yeah, it scared the poop out of you. You know what I mean? Yeah. But at the same time, you know, then going, hey, I want to film things of the paranormal versus I want to I want to get in there and find out. You know what I mean? Like I want to grab some equipment. I want to find out what's going on. Everyone you know? copes in their own way, Chuck. <laughs> I was just curious because you know me, I'd be like, all my equipment on my back. Let's go, let's go. You know, I'd be running. Well, and I want to ride about it. I mean, you know, we all. We all deal with it in our own way. Some of us make movies, some of yeah, us we, write. Yeah, and I know you asked as well, have I ever been like, like I am to the, into the paranormal, but um, I, there is a sense of me that I'm, I don't want to necessarily, I mean, I've, I've watched tons of shows like Ghost Adventures, Ghost Hunters, and, you know, I, I think a lot of them are, are based on facts. There are shows probably which are faked and, and whatnot, and I, I have a lot of friends who deal with the paranormal, and um and I have a lot of discussions with them and things that they've encountered. And and I'm not saying that I'm, I'm a scaredy cat, but there's like this, um, there's a sense to me that I don't necessarily want to go involve myself in just anything because I don't know if, you know, what, what if I bring something with me or what if I, you know, something, I stir something up that I shouldn't well, have. They eventually I, go away and leave you alone. That's mm -hmm. good. That's yeah. good. That's good yeah, they will. <laughs> Exactly. But it's kind of a thing that, I, you know, I've kind of, kind of, like, I get it. investigations and I's kind of like, well, we'll see. You know, we'll see. that is a <laughs> very common concern. Yeah. And I hear this a lot from significant others of people who investigate the paranormal. That is yeah. the main thing that, that I know of that my friends, significant others will express. Don't bring anything home with you. Yeah, exactly. I yeah, hear that I'm, a lot. Don't you hear that a lot too, Chuck? Yes. Yeah, yeah but don't you know, bring anything home with you. It's like it's so. So I get it. I I hear that a lot from from the husbands and wives of people who investigate. Yeah, don't bring it home. Yeah, but you know, you and I being psychics, you know what I mean. Sometimes they just come find us. I have no <laughs> right? choice. I know my shadows around all the time. Home, no matter what, so. I'm just kind of used to it now. So it's like whatever. <laughs> For you, it's like, don't interrupt Joe while you're sleeping. For me, it's don't interrupt me while I'm watching television. So then, so then what really scares you? What If you could make the perfect horror film, what oh, elements God. would it have? 
What what would um, make it scary? I mean, and I'm talking about a horror film that was mm-hmm. to tweak all of your your scared parts. Yeah. Scared well, parts. Let, let's stop. Let's let's start with the um one thing that scares the the bejeebers out of me is werewolves, and this sounds really ridiculous. But, yes. But I've been I I, I remember okay, when I was a kid, all I, terrified of zombies. <laughs> I love werewolves, man. You hit it right on there. Go ahead. I yes. love them, but but I'm also freak you know really freaked out about them at the same time. So I don't know if I would make a necessary. I, I really would love to, and I'm working actually on a script um, regarding werewolves, but um. I don't know if that would be my perfect film. Like, I think the combination of, of a perfect film for me would be, um, I'm not afraid of the dark per se, or I'm not, a, I, I think the for fear for me is, is the possibility. And maybe you guys can say, you know, your opinion, if it's true or not. I mean, I've, I've never encountered such a thing or, uh, or I've, I've heard stories of such things like, you know, things that are attached to the dibbit box and stuff, things that are, are really not friendly, things that maybe aren't, you know, human spirits or whatever and i'm kind of afraid of these kind of things like paranormal activity for instance or the blair witch there's this element of 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 having something that you cannot really fight against um you know being there and stalking you and trying to really harm you i think that would be part of the you know best kind of horror film for me but it would have to have a lot of elements like you know I don't know if werewolves would be one of them, <laughs> but it would really have to be something that is really psychological. Um, oh, you that need would really... black-eyed. You need black-eyed kids. Yeah, in that's what life. Stuff like that. That's yeah, what you need. That, that stuff like that freaks me out as well. So it would be something you know <laughs> along those lines. Having all of that maybe put into one film that might work. <laughs> Interesting, yeah. isn't it funny? And it, it's very different things that freak people out. You're right. There are some people who. Honestly, they're like, oh, I'm not afraid of anything dead. It's the living that scare me. And that's that's yeah. kind of where I am, is that I think that living people are far more frightening than dead people most of the time. Yeah, oh, I, I think I, I agree with you on in some sense. I mean, I'm I mean, people are there are really some messed up people out there. Um, and that yeah. does it's scary and, and the worst thing is that you never know who could, you know, maybe someone that you actually know could be really, you know, really bad and wants to hurt you and stuff like that. So that is freaky. Um, but for me as a filmmaker, I, I want to focus more on the kind of aspect of, of having, not necessarily creatures, not, I don't, I don't like the idea of, of showing too much for me it's 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 not because we're all like we're discussing we're we're all individuals we're all afraid of something so if i make a creature that in my opinion looks scary it might not look scary to you so i want to be able to avoid that kind of 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 referencing in, in anything that i do because i'd rather play with you know the the way that you know let's let's for instance you know i've got a glass of water here on my left side i turn my head for a moment and it's in the kitchen that's the kind of stuff is the stuff that kind of yeah. creeps me out if that makes yeah, sense that's so. a little freaky yeah is is there a certain type of um i don't know what you would call it maybe viewpoint that you find scarier than, than others like found footage or a first person or what uh, what do you think about the different types what do you find scary well, I, I I do like the found footage aspect. I think it's been overused a lot, um, unfortunately, and used uh, poorly sometimes. Yeah, yes. exactly. That's the a problem. Lot. So it's yeah, that's a sad thing. I mean, it was really good when Blair Witch came out. You know, it was it was you know it was the start of all that, and uh, it has a lot of elements to it. Um, I don't know what what the best viewpoint would be. Uh, found footage is always good if it's really really used in the right kind of sense and the right kind of way, where you don't question like, wait a minute, how is he filming this when he's you know right. rewinding that? Those kind of things are the things that are the killers in that kind of films. Yeah. Um, but um, 
Oh, yes, that's a tough question. I was actually thinking about, you know, how would it, I don't know if there's ever been made or if there's in the mix. I don't know if there's like a subjective kind of, you know, where you have, you don't see the person um, necessarily, but it's kind of like a GoPro, you know, kind of way of, of this person going in the dark, like you were playing a video game, for instance, you know, like yeah. virtual reality. That yeah. would be yeah. interesting. Yeah, first person. Yeah, exactly. That would maybe you know be really intriguing if a, a proper feature film was made around that kind of aspect. Like maybe there is something in the mix of that. I don't know. Um, I haven't done research too much on that yet, but that could possibly be really freaky if it's done right. Yeah, if it's done right. The and, and you're right. The problem is, and and I think this is why so many horror movies make me laugh as opposed to scaring me, is that there are things that just take me right out of the movie, just like you yeah. were saying. And, um, boy, it's hard to avoid those. You've got to pay really good attention to detail as a filmmaker, I would imagine. Yeah, it's hard. So that's why I always say to people, like, <laughs> horror, horror is a really hard genre. Comedy and horror, I think, are the hardest. I mean, drama itself is, I think anything that you try to do is, is I wouldn't use the word maybe hard, but it's, it's, it's challenging to have the right essence and, and making a good film that people don't go like, wait a minute, that didn't make sense, or no, I didn't kind of like that. So anything that kind of, like you just said, takes you out of the film, I think is a bad experience. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if you're really sucked into it and you don't question like what's happening at that moment, I think that's a successful thing. And that's, it's, it's really hard to do that in, in horror, especially I think. Yeah. I, I think, I think you're right. And I mean, that's in any type of storytelling and you know, here's the thing in any type of storytelling, you're, there's always going to be people who are nitpicking and finding a little yeah, inconsistency. Well, yeah. So those people are always there, but you just want to get the, get the, you know, get most of them, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it would be, it would be amazing to be able to freak out everyone in one go, you know, that'd be amazing. Yeah, <laughs> but, that would be pretty cool. That well, would take why, a lot of research. <laughs> well, yeah, that's why I like Stephen King books are so good because it's like, I go back to, it's so character driven. Like you get into the story with the people and you get vested. Yes, then when you're invested in the people, then you start putting the turmoil or whatever in there. And then you're like, no, 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 no. I don't want that guy to die. No, no, no. I like that guy. He's funny or something. You know what I mean? Or yeah, you can yeah. kill that guy. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's, that's what it is. So yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that's the problem as well with a lot of the horror films nowadays is that they're, I mean, horror films are one of the most successful films in the sense that, you know, they're really easy going in the sense of making money, if that makes sense from a business point of view. Um, So it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's, it's a sure sell in some ways. Um, But I think the problem with a lot of the horror films that are made today is that you don't really get into the character. Like you, a lot of things happen, but you don't really feel like for my problem, this is just me. Maybe it's, you know, just me that that feels, but I never feel like uh, nowadays when I watch something like, um, I don't know, sinister or, which is pretty good in some ways. The ending, mm-hmm. I didn't like it all. But like, I don't feel like I know the people. Like, I don't feel for them. If something happens to them, I yeah. don't really character, care. It's if that, character yeah. development is exactly. not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, know. It, it's stuff like that has to feel earned. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't yeah. know if, you know, I don't know why it's done that way. I mean, you know, that's why, you know, for instance, I love films like uh, I mentioned Kubrick because there you feel like you have this connection to the characters in some way. Yep. So, but I don't know, maybe people don't want that kind of slow burning beginning going into, you know, who his character is. Yeah. Back it's because, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Video yeah. game short attention exactly. span. Yeah, exactly. So, T, it's uh, time for what we like to call shameless self-promotion corner here. This okay. is where you can tell people to where to find you, um, you know, films to look out for, that type of thing. 
Yeah, perfect. Um, so yeah, I just would like to um to ha say to everyone, basically, you know, just if you have any interest in learning more about our upcoming film, um, Anguished, you know, feel free to look at me up on Facebook and also check out the Anguished Man um, page on Facebook for more information. Um, films to look out for. I think it would be cool. That I think there's one film that's coming out pretty soon, which I'm very um, psyched about, is the the Girl with All the Talent, which is a zombie film. So I think. Uh, that is one that I definitely want to go see and um, have a look at, you know, how it's done. It's, it's I think it, there's a good potential of it being really good, so I'm really hoping that it is. Um, but yeah, anything to do with, <laughs> with the Anguish film, um, you'll just have to wait in for more information and news on, on the progress on that. So I do apologize. So any, any idea when we can expect that? Well, you should be hearing more um, very shortly after Christmas, so I will keep you updated. Nice. All right. Yes. All right. Well, thank you for coming on with the flu. Thank you for staying up until three yeah. in the morning. <laughs> yeah, and um, it's been really fun talking to you. Yes, thank, you thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Have a good night. You too. Thank you. Bye, guys. Thanks, All right. Bye. There you go, guys. T. Ricks. Um, and we are going to take a break. When we come back, we have a correspondent segment and we have the lightning round. So stick around. You're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark here on MixLR. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Cheryl Knight, editor for Paranormal Underground Magazine. And I'm Chad Wilson, Paranormal Underground Magazine's publisher. Every month, Paranormal Underground Magazine explores the unexplained by examining topics that range from haunted sites to ufology to cryptozoology. We also spotlight investigators and researchers who continue to pave the way in a field that seeks to answer some of life's most complex questions. If you want to read about topics like psychic phenomena, demonology, conspiracy theories, crystals and herbology, and much, much more, visit ParanormalUnderground.net and start exploring the unexplained today. This is Jack Kenna, paranormal investigator and author with Spirits of New England, writer and correspondent with Paranormal Underground Magazine. Also, starting this Sunday, August 28th at 10 p.m., you can catch me on Haunted Case Files, which will highlight numerous investigations from our Spirits of New England team, as well as other investigators throughout the Northeast. Find out more at our website at www.spiritsofnewengland.org. Hey everyone, it's Karen Frazier, co-host of Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. Thanks for listening to the show. You've probably read my column in Paranormal Underground Magazine. I write columns about energy healing, metaphysics, and also dream interpretation. But did you know I also am an author of multiple books about metaphysics and the paranormal? You can learn more about the books that I've written on my website, authorkarenfraser.com. That's author, Karen, K-A-R-E-N, Fraser, F-R-A-Z-I-E-R.com. Hey everyone, this is Winter Balefire. If you share in my love for the macabre and bizarre, please check out my website, winterbalefire.com. There you'll find some of my dark poetry, short stories, and blogs on the paranormal and occult. I'm also active on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under the name Winter Balefire. Thanks. Hope to see you guys soon. Join me at the Big Seance Podcast. I'm Patrick Keller of BigSeance.com, and this is a place for an open discussion on all things paranormal, but specifically topics like ghosts and hauntings, paranormal research, spirit communication, psychics and mediums, and life after death. The candles are already lit, so you might as well come on in and join the Big Seance Podcast. 
My name is Daryl E. Berry Jr., longtime practitioner, researcher, and explorer of things metaphysical, mystical, and cutting edge, and founder and director of Next Density, a research, education, and development effort for personal and thus global progress, transformation, and development. My current and upcoming books include Travel Far, Classes on A Course in Miracles, and Next Density. For my books and other writings, videos, interviews, public talks, and workshops, and to schedule for consultations, classes, and courses, visit DarylEBerryJr.com or NextDensity.org. Next Density. Change yourself. A global secret society what imprisons your overall freedom, dismissed as a conspiracy. Mind-controlling technology dismissed as science fiction. Evolutions in primal energies, ghostly apparitions, UFO and extraterrestrial life forms, dismissed as a fantasy. Three books written by Maria Anna van Driel, telling you everything what can be known by revealing the truth of the most unbelievable actions governments have made in the last eight decades in mind and behavior control. Hey, are you looking for a new paranormal podcast? Check out All Day Paranormal with me, Crystal Vermis. And me, Manny Vega. We come to you every week with the latest in supernatural news and entertainment. That's right, and you can find out more by going to GetSpooked.net. And don't forget to check out our YouTube show by going to GetSpooked.net slash YouTube. So, you're looking for the best in paranormal radio. Well, you just found it. Right here on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark. Join me, Chucky G, and my awesome co-host, Karen Frazier, for topics ranging from the metaphysical to the unexplained. That's right. Every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and other times in the flyover states on MixLR, we will delve into all things paranormal. And along the way, we hope to entertain you and have a few laughs as well. So join us on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark, exploring the unexplained. We are back. You're listening to MixLR. This is Paranormal and Radio in the Dark with your hosts, Karen Frazier and me, Chucky G. We had a nice talk with T. Ricks, our guest for this evening. It was very awesome. And now it's time for our correspondent for this evening, a lady by the name of Maria Anna Vandriel. She's a paranormal investigator and a bunch of other titles that we can't even get into. Just titles. so many. But He's like an astrophysicist gonna... or something. <laughs> I don't know, man. This is way over my head. So anyways, we're going to listen to a piece that she did on the her theories of shadow people. So Cheryl, whenever you're ready, you can run that baby. Hi, this is Maria Anna von Driel, paranormal underground radio in the dark correspondent, live from Germany. Shadow people, they do have the ability to appear everywhere and to manifestate to anyone, even the most sober thinking person. This is still one of the most frightening moments to experience. But there could be another explanation in what or who these shadow people are. What if there was a species which is as old as the beginning of time itself? Could it be that there was a species which was born from ionized gas, what responds strongly to electromagnetic fields due the ability of the positive and negative charges, an energy what is considered to be distinct state of matter and does not have a definite shape or volume, unless it is enclosed in a container 
like that of a magnetic field. This could mean that life forms like these did not or had not a solid body as we have today. Let's also assume that an evolution in thermal and non-thermal energy, what was known as light and fire creatures by many nations and were only given the name angels and demons to cover up this knowledge and primal energy, did have an awareness of both themselves as well as their surroundings. Well, that's pretty lame, right? Floating the surface of a planet and not being able to touch anything, but evolution was not standing still. And one-celled organisms started to evolve in many different species over time. In anthropology, it's been said that a change in diet has caused certain growth in intelligence with our ancestors. What gave them at a certain point in time the ability to think of how to make, for instance, an axe from a single rock. But could it be that these light and fire creatures had something to do with this rising in intelligence? Now what if these light and fire creatures had and still have the ability to touch our basic energies and magnetic fields? Did our ancestor gain some of the capability in creativity not only due a change in diet, but also after a form of electromagnetic telepathy was applied. What does have the behavior of increasing the neuron activity in the brain by using this kind of synthetic telepathy, a form of mind and behavior control is taking place, what even could result in our ancestors building sacred buildings and machines on command. Buildings that had the capability to produce torsion energy waves, quantum trapping, but also synthetic magnetism and an artificial controlled gravity field. Could it be that these light and fire creatures saw our ancestors as simple biological systems and used their bodies as a safe and protective vessel in order to build those pyramid-like buildings and to create photon explosions inside a dome of synthetic magnetism which contained an artificial created gravity field supported by torsion energy waves. A technology what gave these creatures a form of density as in an electro magnetic holographic projection because if it was already believed in ancient times that there were life forms which did not have a shadow it could be that our ancestors were looking at a reflection of a light creature born from UV light a light source we know today as plasma energy and black light now the second step in my theory and definitely the most scariest one, at least for me it is. Could it be possible that these light and fire creatures found a way to enter the solid bodies of our ancestor and merged with their energy in order to perform earthly tasks, to rule over the human species, so bigger and better buildings containing this agent knowledge and technology could be built for them to evolve and to survive.
what if these are the ones who used some of our ancestors, as in, finger quote, the elected ones, as hosts and called themselves the counselor of a pharaoh, the king's advisor during medieval times, or the war board during the 90s. Looking at this technology from the past, having a creepy result, it does give us some thinking on the reason of why we have to stay addicted to today's smart technology and why we have to swirl in a Wi-Fi network because it gives us a form of brain fog what has a result of stopping the critical thinking in all of us. This I explain on for instance page 21 in my book Our Mind in a Controlled Quantum Euclidean Space. Understanding of how an agent idea in how to use the energy swirling free in our atmosphere as well as in the universe what can gain a form of density due a magnetic field and thus starting to get visible to the naked eye could have been used in order for them to evolve and by using the biological bodies of our ancestors to survive. From this point on, the term free energy suddenly changes into an extreme scary idea. Don't you think? Alrighty, and that was our correspondence piece this evening by Maria Anna Van Driel about shadow people, which creeps me out. Shadow <laughs> people just creep me out. I don't know why, but it, it's yeah, just... They're just yeah, a little more density. Yes, I know. It's just the way they do it. And, you know, a lot of times when they talk about shadow people, they always say the, the dude with the hat. Like, you always picture that guy with the hat. I don't know why, but that's... When you say the dude with the hat, I picture the man in the yellow hat from the Curious George book. <laughs> <laughs> this is more of the, I don't know, the really long-brimmed kind of, you know, that's that's the thing. But anyways, um, so what, what are we doing now? What, what's that? Talk to I have to pick that up with your therapist. I don't have a therapist. <laughs> All right. So uh, you guys ready to do a little lightning round? Oh, lightning round. So my, my, my slave, Jim Frazier, who has been working his bleep off in the yard oh. this week, has come up to join us for the lightning round. We don't have any listeners joining us this week, but hopefully we will next week. Right? If you do a lightning round, they should have like we should have like sound effect goes like the hundred ninety nine point five lightning thing, you know. Are you Come guys on. are you guys ready to play? Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm born ready, ready. Get, seriously. Jim, Come on. Jim's been sitting here on Facebook on his phone the whole time. I hopefully he's listening to me. <laughs> he's ready. Can you hear him okay? Yes, we hear him just fine. All right, so here we go with the lightning round. Last week, BBC News reported scientists from the University of Bath have found a way for two men to reproduce without a female egg using skin cells from adult males. It turns out that any cell in the body can actually be fertilized by human sperm. It doesn't need to be an egg. If you could reproduce with anyone, male, female, Fictional. Who would it be, and what would you name your baby, Chuck? Oh my God! What a question. So it could be male or female. Anyone. Anyone. It could be an alien. It could be a, a cryptid. It could be a ghost. 
Oh. Science is making this all possible. I think a, 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 I think a spirit would be interesting to mix a, a spirit energy with a live human energy. So, you know, the energy is kind of the same, but not quite the same. So I think that I would like to mix the two and then see uh, what Little Spooky would look like. Little Spooky is his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Little Spooky. Jim? I'm going to go with Chuck Norris, and its name would be Gozer the Destroyer. <laughs> Should I be disturbed by that is my uh, question. Oh, yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> Cheryl? Uh, I'm going to go with Chad, and our offspring oh. would be Chachi. Chachi? <laughs> From Happy would Days? Nice. No, Chad and I combined our Chachi. Oh, okay. Actually, gotcha. actually, we it's really go by Chi. Name, Chachi. We, actually, we go by Chicha because it because it's Chachi is like Joni and Chachi. So it's yeah. either Chicha yes. or Chachi. We usually go by Chicha. Chicha. Oh well. Aww. Jen and I don't have a celebrity couple name. <laughs> what would it be like? Kim, Jaren. It's just not that cool. <laughs> No. You know, come up with one. Texas naked bacon. That that's our name. Naked right. bacon. <laughs> we're, like no, we're not bringing that up on the air. Alrighty. Associated Press reports that a dog named Roxy ate seven corn cobs. Seven oh, corn cobs. Lord. Sick, but you know what? She lived through it after surgery. So here's what I want to know. You know how dogs can eat almost anything and live. Yes. I want to know what the strangest thing is you've ever seen a dog eat, and then what is the weirdest thing that you've ever eaten? Let's start with Jim. Let's see. The strangest thing I've ever seen a dog eat was about two feet of garden hose. Did he live? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. He puked it up. All right. And what's the strangest thing you have ever eaten? Strangest thing I've ever eaten? Probably oysters. Well, they are kind of weird. All right, Cheryl. The thing about the dogs eating strange thing, I... I'm not really around a lot of animals. I don't think I've ever seen a dog eat anything strange. I, I don't really have anything on that one. Okay, but you, so, so then how about you? What's for, the weirdest for thing? For me, I, I guess I go with either, there, there's two, either escargot or eel. Okay. Okay. I've eaten, I've eaten escargot. I haven't had eel. Oh, eel's delicious. Mmm. In like sushi? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, Chuck? Oh, okay. Uh, I'm sorry. I was looking at Chad's where he said poop in grass. Dogs don't eat the poop. That's weird. Um, I, I had a dog that uh, swallowed rocks. Oh, my God. Yeah, and it pooped him out later, too. It was the weirdest thing ever, but it did. It, sw- I, yep, it swallowed the rocks and pooped him out later. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. and uh, when I was a kid, I ate a worm. Oh, Mm, swallow the worm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Had you just read the book How to Eat Fried Worms? <laughs> I love that movie. No, but it, yeah, but that was like, oh, they're like, go ahead, dare you, dare you. I'm like, fine. Oh, gone. All right. So, mm-hmm. Cheryl, when I found this one, I thought of you and Chad. Oh, okay. Associated Press reports that a German teenager caused his car to explode. <laughs> He sprayed it so full of air freshener to cover the smell of cigarettes <laughs> that when he opened the door, the dome light ignited an explosion. Oh, I think I, I know your answer there. already, Cheryl, but what is your favorite method for covering up unsightly blues? <laughs> <laughs> we know already. Uh, air freshener. Air freshener, all yes. right. Uh, uh, Chuck, what, what's your favorite unsightly oh. open method? I learned my I learned this from my father. If it's farts, it's get you light a match. 
It does. That works yep. really Lice well. the mats and boom, gone. Yeah. It smells mm-hmm. like sulfur. Well, either that, yeah, either that or it blows up on the two. We've got about 20 bottles of air freshener around here. Uh, okay. <laughs> so how do you cover Well, I, I know why. Two gallons of gasoline and a match. See, there you go. There you go, yep. And I actually like... Um, I like essential oils or candles. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. Candles, that's well, a good one. Well, I have to say to Cheryl, I have to say to Cheryl, I know why you have 20 cans, because you spray like half a can that last time. Oh, my God. I have never heard so much spraying. <laughs> like, like a fire extinguisher for crying out loud. <laughs> okay, are you ready for the next question? Yes. Heck yeah, bring it on. According to Yahoo News, MIT, that's the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, yes. has developed a new wireless device that can recognize emotions. What? It does so by sending waves that bounce off of someone's body, and then they measure the heartbeats. And the scientists claim that it's about eighty-seven. I can't speak. That it's about eighty-seven percent accurate, recognizing joy, pleasure, sadness, or anger. And so, advertising agencies are super excited about this because they feel like they could use it to gauge audience reactions and focus groups and things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, here's what I want to know. If you had a device like that, what would you use it for, Chuck? <laughs> well, I'd probably use it for the women folk. That uh, way I know yeah. if they really like me or not. All right. Jim, what would you use it for? Well, it would bring a whole new element to speed dating, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. <laughs> so you're seeing the ladies, not that, too? Yeah, not, not that uh, I'm in that game anymore. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, be careful with that answer, baby Kate. And, oh, he's rubbing my knee now. Like yeah, he's trying to make up for it already. <laughs> Cheryl, what would you use it for? Well, I, if, I, if I, if I, could it do more than just sense of mood could it like read minds perhaps emotions right now because it measures heartbeat just emotions mm-hmm. well wouldn't wow. it be good like I mention like an argument or something if you knew like if your mate was trying to like look happy but was really angry couldn't you like you know but Cheryl you answer you could, I'm sorry uh, yeah I mean maybe it could be like a like a a lie detector like if you meet someone and you're and you're trying to find out the true feelings, I guess kind of well, it goes along with what Chuck find said. Find out if somebody's like a psychopath before you yeah. get to be their friends. <laughs> before you get to be best friends, you could whip that thing out or just use it like without yep. them even knowing. <laughs> oh no, you can't hang out because I tend to I tend to um, ignore my own radar with people. Mm-hmm. And you know, always think, oh, I'm just being mean, and then I wind up in friendships with just horrible people. And then I realized it, and I was like, oh, okay, anyway. So, UPI, this comes from UPI. They reported this week that a woman in Oregon, actually, this was today in the news, a woman from Oregon totaled her car because a spider dropped down from the rearview mirror and startled her. So, what would have to be in the car with you to cause you to total it, Jim? Ooh, and silence. We have dead air, folks. He's thinking. A cobra? A cobra, all right. <laughs> Chuck, what would cause you to total oh, your Bees, man. Bees. When a bee gets in the car and I'm driving. If I see a bee getting, like today, I saw a bee in a window, I got to roll it up. Roll, 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 roll. Yeah, it freaked okay. me quick. No. Cheryl, mm-hmm. what would cause you to total your car? It would not take much, so I'm going to go with a gnat. Nat? I freak out. Yes, I tell you, a little thing flies by and I freak out. I'm glad I don't live in Tennessee. (laughs) Ask Chad. He'll tell you. Holy cow. That's amazing. Everyone who lives near Cheryl should feel very safe on the roads. 
<laughs> All right. Last one. Okay. Reports this past week have been about how cat scratch fever could, in rare circumstances, kill you. And so those reports have caused dire headlines like cuddling your cute fuzzy kitten could spell certain doom. Here's what I want to know. I would like to hear your best death by kitten sensationalist headline, Cheryl. I, what's cat scratch fever? Cat scratch fever. Cat scratch fever. Ted Nugent saying about Nugent it. Um, it's like. Oh, it, well, that's why I don't know it. Okay. It's some bacteria or something in cat scratches that can make you sick. Oh my God. I'll, I know. Just, I'll just go with meow. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Oh my God. I'm not going to top that one now. <laughs> Death by kittens. I don't, I don't know. I don't really have a title. Cat, cat throttles. Cat throttles neighbor. I don't know. You know, I don't really. Jim death by kittens. James Bond killed by pussy galore. Oh. <laughs> okay. okay. You Jim, play the lightning round, everybody. Thank Jim you, Jim. And Bob for had the, about the same answer. Yeah. Um. All right. So next week, who's our guest? Oh, guest time. I wasn't even. I was like wrapped up in the paranormal lightning round. All right. Next week, we will be talking with Rich Newman. He is the author of many, many different books and articles, but we will be talking with him primarily about haunted bridges, over 300 of America's creepiest crossings. Well, that's new. Yes. Exciting. All right. And then we have big October coming up. We do. We have great stuff going on in October. We have Stanton Friedman and Kathleen Martin. We have Linda Godfrey. We have Nick Groff and Katrina Weedman. We have Sylvia Schultz. Oh, and it just, it's going to be so much fun. I can't wait for October. All right. Okay, and look for a magazine coming out over the week, or this weekend, hopefully. Yes. Yep. Hopefully with a column from yours truly. <laughs> we'll see mm-hmm. how that goes. Yes. Um, and uh, do we have anything else we need to say, well, or shall I shall I take us off the air? We're good watch to- out. We're well, watch out for the killer gnats, you know, because, you know, they could <laughs> they could take you out at any point. <laughs> I will be very careful. I will be very Carol careful. Carol must have to drive with like blinders on or something. I know. So I will take my air freshener and spray the Having... car out before I drive and make sure all the gnats <laughs> well, are out of there. Because apparently you can cause your car to explode. That's right. Better yes. be careful of that. You know, yes. if Justin Bieber was in my car, I might try to roll it. Just because he's in the car. <laughs> all right. And with that, um, we apologize to any Justin Bieber fans. Yes, we do. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark here on MixLR. We'll be back next week, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, other times in the flyover states. Y'all have a great week. Good night. night. If you'd like to be a guest on Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark, email us at editor at paranormalunderground.net. And until next week, remember this. If something looks out of place or doesn't feel quite right, it could just be something...